Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Uh, today is the first Sunday of this year, along with Brother Jason. Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, I want to start off today by preaching a preaching style, style that I don't ordinarily do. But I came today to pour my heart into this service. We have to be better. We can't be less. 2019 cannot find us less in our relationship with God. It has to be more. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning just simply three old values. Three old values. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. <clears throat> of all the things that we possess, on what do we place the most value? In reality, this morning, how important is the house, the car, even the family, even the kids? I'm not being rhetorical. I'll explain later. How much value do we place on feelings, attitudes, attending church, even God Himself? Again, I'm not being rhetorical. I'll explain later. There are at least three things in our lives whose value are without estimation. There is not a value, there's not a scale of measure or a scale of weight that can weigh to determine value. The three things that I will mention to you momentarily. These three old values in our lives, in the forefront of our mind, buried deep in our heart. They're game changers. More realistically, they are literal life changers. The things that I will mention to you here this morning changes perspective. It changes attitude. And it certainly changes priority. The first thing I want to mention to you today is the cross. When I say the cross, I'm talking about Jesus' crucifixion. I'm talking about that night and morning that had to be the most brutal and the most difficult moment for any human that's ever walked on this planet. Not only because of the way he was treated, but for the simple fact that he had done nothing to merit that kind of treatment. Some years ago, a 14-foot bronze crucifix was stolen from Calvary Cemetery in Little Rock, Arkansas. It had stood at the entrance to that cemetery for more than 50 years. The cross was put there in 1930 by a Catholic bishop and had been valued at that time at about $10,000. At that time, it was a lot of money. The thieves apparently cut it off at its base and hauled it off in a pickup truck, 
police, police speculate that they cut it into small pieces and sold it for scrap iron. The thieves figured that the 900-pound cross would probably bring about $450. They obviously did not realize the value of that cross. That is one of the problems with our modern-day church culture, with our modern-day church society, if you will, is understanding the value of the cross. As the gospel writers relate the story of Jesus' crucifixion, the theme that runs through all of the details of that story is betrayal and rejection. Not only did people not see the value of Jesus, they also did not understand the value of His death. For those of us that are gathered here today, may we not be so blind. So as I set out to preach this part of this message, as one man said, I quote, I feel overwhelmed by the size of my task and by the majesty of the subject. So let me begin by sharing that the value of the cross is illustrated, explained, and demonstrated through preaching, which is what I'm doing right now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I thank God for the cross today. Does anybody appreciate that amazing sacrifice that he paid on Calvary's hill? I will submit to you today that without the cross, it is impossible to have any kind of a relationship with God at all. Again, quoting Paul in Ephesians 2, And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, and having slain the enmity thereby. So without the cross, it would be in vain for any of us to be here. And the Bible talks about that. In addition to the value of the cross, we can have peace through the cross. I'm thankful today that I can tell Pastor Descan in Marksville, you've got a horrible tragedy to, move, to work through, to meander through. But because of the cross, there can be accompanying you an element of comfort and peace like you can get from nowhere else. And everybody already said amen. Colossians chapter 1, the Bible said, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven. And you, and you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, 
Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Thank God for the cross. There's, there's at least more, more benefits. benefits, if you will, that every person receives from the cross. Number one, at the cross, Jesus was taking your place. In Mark chapter 15, verses 6 through 15, we learn that Jesus is sent to the cross instead of the murderer, Barabbas. Jesus was innocent and wrongly accused. Barabbas was guilty and belonged in prison. Yet Barabbas went free and Jesus was condemned. These circumstances give to us a clear picture of the substitutionary nature of Christ's work on the cross. The innocent Jesus substituted himself for guilty sinners like you and I. Paul said in Romans 5, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I think we need to give the Lord some appreciation today. Number two, at the cross, Jesus was taking your curse. He was taking my curse. When the Roman soldiers were mocking Jesus, they placed a crown of thorns on His head. In the earliest chapters of the Bible, we learned that thorns were one result of the curse that came into the world because of sin in Genesis chapter 3. Furthermore, while Christ was on the cross... There was darkness over the land from noon until about 3 p.m. Like thorns, darkness as in noonday was a sign of God's curse on mankind due to sin. But Jesus bore the thorns and He endured the darkness of our sin, of our curse. He took it upon Himself. When he was nailed to the cross, Christ redeemed us from the curse of sin and the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. In Galatians chapter 3, the Bible said, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Or that is nailed to a cross. Number three. At the cross Jesus was covering you. Mark records that when Jesus was crucified. They divided his garments among them. Casting lots for them to decide what each should take that belonged to Jesus. This was a fulfillment of prophecy found in Psalm 22 verse 18. These men wickedly took Jesus clothing for themselves. Ironically, they did not realize that through the cross, that while he was hanging naked, he was preparing to clothe his people in his own righteousness. 
Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 61, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation, and He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Hence there is no shame. There is no condemnation. There's no mention of the past. And the list goes on and on. I thank God for the cross today. Why don't about ten people stand to your feet today and give God some appreciation for that amazing sacrifice. Oh, thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. Hallelujah. Number four at the cross. Jesus on the cross was tearing heaven open for you and I. Making it possible that you and I one day be one of its occupants, one of its citizens. The Bible said when Jesus died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This was the curtain that guarded people from the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was most concentrated. Because of sin, mankind didn't have the same access to God that the Levitical priesthood had. Mark used the word torn one other time in his gospel when he was describing the baptism of Christ. The Bible said, and when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens open, or the heavens was torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Interestingly, Jesus would later associate his crucifixion with his baptism. At the cross, the veil was torn, giving us access to the heavenly sanctuary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence now to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, the new and living way that he opened for us, the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near, let us draw near with a heart full of assurance and faith in God. The cross is an old value upon which the church is built. I will challenge Grace Church today as we pursue 2019. Furthermore, our future is that we must commit today to never abandon the truth, the reality, the power, and the impact of the cross We wouldn't be here today had it not been for the cross. You would still be mired in sin and addicted to your alcohol and your nicotine and only God knows what other kind of lifestyle. But because he died, he could truthfully say that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we are at liberty today. We're in freedom today. We can have peace today. We can walk without guilt or shame today. We could go to bed at night without a guilty conscience and it's all because of his shed blood at the cross of Calvary. The second old value that we must never abandon 
is just simply eternity. Everybody say eternity. I'm not feeling all that worthy here this morning to preach this message, period. To preach the cross is a challenge. I feel so unworthy to proclaim the story about someone who is so honorable and majestic. So is also eternity. I don't feel worthy. I had nothing to do with it. As a matter of fact, I've never even been there. So I'm not going to have a lot of my words today. I'm just going to read to you what the Bible has to say about eternity. As far as I can tell from my study in Scripture, is that there's only two options when it comes to eternity when we all die. One is heaven, and the other obviously is hell. So I begin first today with Revelation chapter 21. So because of the cross, in Revelation 21, John the Revelator said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true, and these words are faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. I want to go to heaven. I said, I want to go to heaven. I will submit to you today that heaven is going to be cheap at any price. We have moved into church culture today where people are not as motivated as I can remember a time when they were to even teach a Sunday school class or be involved in kids' ministry. They don't want to be involved. They don't want to be encumbered with church duty and church responsibility. But I'm here to say that whatever sacrifice that you're willing to pay and whatever level of commitment you're willing to commit to, I submit to you today that heaven is going to be cheap at any price. You'll never work hard enough. You'll never commit strong enough. You'll never say enough. You'll never do enough to be a worthy candidate for that golden city. It's only by the work of the cross and God's immense love for you and I that we're even given a chance to go. I want to go so bad. 
all of us remember the story about the pitcher, the baseball pitcher. Preacher came to him one time and said, I've got good news and bad news. He said, well, give me the bad news first. He said, uh, they're going to die. die. In the next 24 hours. The preacher said, that is horrible. He said, what's the good news? He said, you're scheduled to pitch in heaven this time tomorrow night. I want to go bad. And I'm not sure today if God spoke to me and said, I need for you to transfer and to change your address from here to there. I'm not real sure how much I'd fuss with God about that. I want to go. Heaven is our hope. It's in our inheritance. And it's our promise. There's one thing, if there is one thing, that should motivate us to pray, to be faithful, and never compromise. It should be that great promise and that great inheritance of heaven. Now back to the statement I made earlier. What kind of value do you place on your home, your job, even your family, even your kids? Remember I told you that I was not being rhetorical. I can assure you today that your past and certainly your present could never compare to the immeasurable value of the future, which is why I asked earlier. earlier. How important is your job, family, possessions, and so on? No thing, no person can exceed the value, the splendor, and the promise of heaven. There's nothing here that is worth more than that celestial city. No attitude... No particular set of feelings of any kind can compare, as the praise team sang this morning, to that moment when you stand before God and hear the simple words that says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. There is no value that can be placed on those words. And there is nothing in your present life today that is more valuable than that statement being made to you. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. There is nothing that's going to be a greater sound to your ear than to hear God himself say, Well done. I'll submit to you today, and you may want to challenge me if you will, but no no attitude, no feelings of any kind, no husband, no wife, no child, no job, no amount of money is worth more than hearing those words in that moment somewhere in eternity. I shudder today to think of the alternative. 
I'll only read what the Bible has to say about it more specifically. Jesus. In Luke chapter 16, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen had fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, the Bible said, Jesus said in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. said, because I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, son, remember? Do you remember? I believe everybody in hell is going to have a good memory. In all due respect, there's not going to be Alzheimer's in hell. Do you remember that you in your lifetime received good things? And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he's comforted. And you're tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from you to us can't. And neither can we come from where, from where we are to where you are, essentially is what the Bible says. Then the rich man said, I have another prayer request. I'm striking out, but I'm going to mention one more. Therefore, if you would send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses, and they have the prophets. In other words, they have a preacher. You let your five brothers go to church and listen to the preacher if they don't want to come to that place that you're at. The rich man argued and said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, if they were resurrected from the dead, then my brothers would believe them. And Abraham said, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, if they don't hear the preacher, neither would they be persuaded if somebody rose from the dead and went and told them. I can trust my instincts today and tell you that there is nothing you possess here today that will be of greater value than hearing God say, depart from me. I never knew you. Again, in Mark chapter 9, Jesus said, as a matter of fact, he's the only one that really described hell. But he said, if your hand offend you, cut it off. In other words, If your hand tempts you to do things, if you steal, if you're violent violent with your hand and you can't help yourself, he said, cut it off because it would be better for you to enter into eternal life maimed than having two hands and go to hell with them both. 
I don't believe Jesus was saying that against the backdrop of go to the hospital and let them put you under some kind of anesthetic and just gently amputate your hand. That's not what he was saying. I don't want to be graphic here today, but I believe Jesus was saying if you can't help yourself from sinning with your hands, you cut them off, you lay them on a stump, and you get somebody to take an axe and just cut it off. It'd be better for that to happen to you than to you go to hell with both hands. That's how awful the place is. The same with your foot, he said, and the same with your eye. If your eye, if you can't prevent from sinning with your eyes, Jesus said, pluck them out. Just stick your finger back there and just dig it in and pull it out. Just pull your eye out of your head. It'd be better for you to go to heaven that way than to go to hell with both eyes. I know that there are people here today that just sat and listened to what the Bible has to say about this God-awful place. It will not bring you to this altar today either. It will not draw you closer to repentance or water baptism or the infilling of the Holy Ghost. If this is an average modern-day American crowd, you're not moved by what I just said. Your job is still going to remain your priority. Your family and whatever else is you do is going to be your priority. And you're going to gamble. You're going to gamble here today. But hopefully by the time my time comes, I can get it all worked out and everything is going to be just fine. I'm going to come to that point in just a minute. But I would go as far to say here today, and I'm very passionate about what I'm preaching. I'd almost rather you get up so convicted by what you've just heard and run out of this building than to just sit and stare at me like you've just watched some horror movie on television and it's not really really real anyway. If you want to live outside of a relationship with God, there will come a day that you will give everything you currently possess to have this moment back. Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I go on to say today the third value. The third old value is your soul. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. In other words, if you try to work life out on your own without God, you're going to lose your life, Jesus said. But if you'll surrender your life to Him and give your life to Him, you'll find out what life is really about. You'll understand the priorities that I just preached about here today. He concluded this dialogue by saying, For what would you profit? If you would gain the entire world, you got all the Trump Towers, you got all the Rolls Royces, you got all the expensive cars, you got all the mansions, you got all the oil of the Middle East, you got all the gold in the, in the earth and all the gold that people possess. You inherited Queen Elizabeth's fortune. You inherited all the money of the world. Jesus said, what would you profit? If you had all of that, 
that you weren't right with him. The Bible commands that we should love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul. If you'll put the first picture on the screen. Does anybody know this man? I'll be real surprised if you do. He's been called for years Roger Williams. His real name is Louis Jacob Wirtz. We'll call him Roger Williams. Roger Williams was a virtuoso pianist whose hit Autumn Leaves in the 1950s was the greatest selling piano recording of all time and the only, only instrumental recording to reach number one on the Billboard charts with more than two million copies of that single being sold. Roger Williams received 21 gold and platinum albums. And it is said that he could play over 10,000 songs on the piano from memory. If you've never heard him play, the man is amazing. Known worldwide as Mr. Piano, Roger Williams was proclaimed the pianist to the presidents. Having performed for nine commanders-in-chief at the White House, in the photograph you're looking at, Williams is seated by the Roger Williams Limited Edition Gold Piano, the only piano series Steinway and Sons ever designed to honor a pianist, the only one. Roger, as he is called, died on October the 8th, 2011, of pancreatic cancer, and he has left multi-millions of dollars behind. I wonder if we could bring Roger to this stadium, to this podium right now, what he would have to say about life and its priorities. Moving on, does anybody know who this man is? Why, this is Mr. Showmanship himself. This is the fabulous Liberace, a true child prodigy. Started playing the piano at age four was awarded a scholarship, full scholarship, to the University of Wisconsin when he was 14. He was the highest paid entertainer of all time during his day. That would be the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. He earned no less than $5 million per year for over 20 years. Liberace was recognized during his career with two Emmy Awards six gold albums, and, and two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Liberace was said to be worth over $115 million at the time of his death. He died in 1987 of pneumonia caused by AIDS. If you, if you can bring that back, I wonder what he would have to say about priorities and about choices. What about this guy on the screen? Surely you know him. This is the king of rock and roll himself. This is Elvis Presley. I could go on and on about his accomplishments, but I will tell you that his estate today, most of it in Memphis, is worth $300 million. If you could bring Elvis back, he died at a very young age. 
His body just shut down because of extensive drug use and drug abuse. If you could bring him back today, what would he say about priorities? One more. Does anybody know this man? He's the king of pop. Michael Jackson, known for doing the moonwalk. It's interesting about Michael Jackson. He actually died a pauper. He was bankrupt when he died. He's been so glorified and literally deified since his death that his estate now is worth multi-millions of dollars. If you could bring Michael back, what would he have to say about priorities? What about these people? I don't have a clue who they are. This is just a random picture of a random cemetery. I don't even know where this cemetery is at. It doesn't matter. But you look at all those headstones of all those people. If you could bring them back today, what would they have to say about priorities? I want to submit to you today as I put out my landing gear to conclude this message. You do not have a greater priority than being right with God and committed to God. You do not have a greater priority than that. Either way, one million years per day, a thousand years per day. From the bulk of this congregation here today, if not everyone, 100 years from today, you will all be thankful if you made the right decision. But you'll be living in a place of utter regret if you don't. So as we prepare for conclusion today, which includes communion, Could we determine as a church, as believers, that there are some values that we will never let slip from our grasp? The cross, eternity, and your your soul. I'm sure there's people here today that says, I don't know about all that preacher. I get that. There's, There's unbelievers in every crowd. There's people who profess all kind of bizarre To me, they're bizarre ideals and beliefs and what have you. But I don't know. I just seem like I have more evidence for what I'm saying than you you do yours. So if you're here today and you're struggling and you say, well, hopefully 2019 I can make up my mind. I'm planning to talk to someone in the very near future to try to give them a path forward to come back to church and to get their heart right with God. But here's some other names of people you may or may not know. Anybody ever heard of Jimi Hendrix, singer-musician? He died at 27. It's believed that he choked to death on his own vomit. Kurt Cobain died at 27 of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Otis Redding died in a plane crash at age 26. Jeff Buckley drowned in the Mississippi River. He was 30. River Phoenix died at the age of 23 of cardiac arrest due to a drug overdose. The famous movie star Bruce Lee died at age 32 and had a brain condition called cerebral edema. There's one more picture I want to put on the screen and ask you if you know him. 
He died at age 33. But it wasn't self-inflicted. It wasn't drug abuse. And neither was it an accident. He gave his life because he is insanely in love with you. Whether you love him back or not doesn't matter. Whether you give him the time of day or not, it doesn't matter. Whether you ever give him a dime of your money or a second of your time, it doesn't matter. This man, whose name is Jesus, gave up the fortune of eternity. And robed himself in flesh so that you might have life. So that you might have it more abundantly. I would like to know here today as you stand with me. Is there anyone here that would like to love him back? You folks do not know the struggle of the past number of days I've had personally over this message. I didn't want to preach it. As a matter of fact, my desire today was to pass out to everybody, figuratively speaking, a big ball of cotton candy. Tell you how wonderful you are and how wonderful Grace Church is. But God said no. I want you to tell the people what this is really all about. And you very rarely hear it from this pulpit, and I feel condemned when I say that. But there's a Jesus that died for you to save you from hell and to make it possible for to you experience that golden splendor, that place the Bible calls heaven. Is there anybody here today who would like to love him back? you'll just stay right where you are for today as they prepare for communion. I'm drawn today hard. I'm pulled hard today. That if there's somebody right where you're standing, you'd like to bow your head right where you are and say, God, God, I heard everything the pastor preached. I want you to cleanse my heart. And I'm going to give my life to you today. I'm going to repent of my sin. I'll commit to being baptized as Samantha was a little while ago. Beautiful little nine-year-old girl. I believe she said she's about to be ten. I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you would just slip up your hands and just say, God, help me today. I want my heart to be right with you today. I don't want to be caught not ready. I don't want something tragic to befall me or or my family and me not be ready and me not be where I need to be. Folks, I feel desperate here today. I just feel desperate. Grace Church, would you join me, everybody all over the house today? Would you lift your hands heavenward? And let's just talk to the Lord for a moment. I'm asking you to raise your hands, not particularly to worship, but to surrender. To say, God, here I am. 
God, here I am. Take my life. Let it be loved unto you as a sacrifice. I know I won't understand everything that happens in the future, but I'm going to trust you. And more than anything, I want heaven to be my home. I want, I want to go to heaven today. Grace Church, pray with me right now. Everybody, would you pray? While you're praying, you don't have a greater priority this morning than that of being right with God. It doesn't matter what our lives are composed of and what we possess or what we do not. We still have to be right with God. In the name of Jesus, y'all go ahead and sing. As the Spirit of the Lord works its way through this crowd today, I'm going to ask you to take a few moments right where you stand or sit to talk to the Lord right now. Everybody talk to Jesus. Would you just talk to Him in your own way, however you know how? You can talk to Him just like you would a friend. Just say, hey God, I don't know everything I need to know about you. But God, I want you in my life. God, we step into my life. Would you step, step into my life? Would you step into my family? God, my marriage needs divine help. My kids need divine help. My spouse needs divine help. God, we've got to have you today. Everybody talk to the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Could we just stand for another moment in the presence of the Lord? Would you continue to entertain His presence? Just continue to entertain His presence.
Before we give instruction today for communion, I do want to say that everyone is welcome to participate, everybody. Our guest here today, everyone, is welcome to participate. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, today we are in awe of your presence. I have felt your presence since the service began. And for that, I'm thankful. We know today and we realize today that we're not alone here. It's not just humanity, but there's a divine presence here today. And I'm thankful you're here. As we come into 2019, we want to set our affection toward you, our desires toward heaven. God, I personally want to be more committed this year than I've ever been. I pray and ask for lesser distraction. That I could focus on the things of God with a determination and promise like I never have before. And I pray that that's the thought and the heartbeat of this church here today. We're going to be better. Our families are going to be better. We're going to get closer to you than we've ever been and take nothing for granted. And I pray today through the preaching of the Word of God that we'll determine that there's just some things that we can't let go of, that we must keep buried deep in our heart, and they must stay in the forefront of our mind. God, we ask today for your direction. We ask, God, for you to take the lead in this church as we follow you, that it may grow, that it may prosper, that it may be blessed, and that it may be committed and dedicated more than ever. Help our attitude to be right, help our heart to be right, our spirit to be right, our motives to be right, as we commit to your kingdom and to the beautiful word of God. Bless in this communion service today as we partake of what is symbolic of your blood and your flesh. And we celebrate today your resurrection and we mourn today at your death. Thank you. Thank you, God, for what you've done. In Jesus' name. If all of you folks on this side, to my left, your right, if you'd all exit to the wall and just pass in front of our two brethren here, they will serve you. And if you'll take the communion cup and the cracker back to your seat and hold it, we'll all partake of communion together. Likewise, if all of you folks on this side, to my right and your left, if you'll exit toward the wall and just come by these brethren and take the communion back to your seat. If you will remain prayerful and if you will remain standing, I'd appreciate that today. In the name of Jesus. 
Let the Spirit of the Lord work. Let the Spirit of the Lord work. Just let the Spirit of the Lord work. to the presence of the Lord. Lord, If you'd remain standing, I'd appreciate it. If you'd remain standing, thank you. Has everyone been served communion today? Does anyone need communion? Everybody that wants to participate. It's honorable and it's humbling to be able to stand here today and partake in what we're about to partake of. I feel the peace of God here today, and I feel confident that we're in the will of God today. We've been instructed by the Word of God to do what we're about to do, and in the carnage of Scripture, we do it. We do it with good attitude. We're not here to judge anybody. 
I found Calvary to be for everybody. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his own God and son. So as we stand here today in the presence of the Lord, let us partake of the cracker, the bread. Let us partake together in a spirit of unity and peace in Jesus' name. God bless you today if you'll take the fruit of the vine. If you'll open it, if anyone can't open your container, if you'll raise your hand, we'll have one of our ushers assist you. Is everybody okay? If our children are partaking in this part of it, parents, please be. advisory. Thank the Lord. God bless you guys in the name of Jesus. Let's partake together of the fruit of the vine, a symbol of his blood. Thank you, Jesus. Our ushers will be passing through momentarily to pick up what you have started. Let's thank the Lord today for his presence. Shall we all all over the house today? Blessed be the name of Jesus. If you have free hands, could you clap your hands to the Lord today? Let's praise him. Let's exalt him. Hallelujah to God. I feel the peace and victory of the Holy Ghost here today. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Aren't you glad to be a child of God today? Aren't you thankful to be a child of God today? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. This, in conclusion today, this past uh, 2018, we were blessed to baptize 14 people at Grace Church. Hopefully next year, this coming year, it's more. But we're thankful for 14 baptized in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Of those 14 people that were here today, you're dismissed along with your family to join us next door for lunch. Uh, You know who you are. God bless you today. The rest of you, God bless you. Great to see you in the house of the Lord today. We'll see you tomorrow night at prayer meeting at 730. God bless you in Jesus' name.